0: This legacy offering is a game changer. This legacy offering, I I cannot, uh, it can't be understated, the honor that I have and my wife Christina has to be able to build on the shoulders of our pastors. And so this word legacy is intentional because we all, whether we choose to or not, are a part of a legacy. You know, I don't know what your background is or what your your family origin is or or some of the issues in your family growing up, but you are part of a legacy whether you like it or not. And the one thing that Jesus wants to do in our lives is change our legacy, specifically if our legacy came before us as a a bad one or a poor one. And so legacy is something you have to participate in. You know, you don't have to participate in the church to hear a great sermon, but you have to participate to be a part of a legacy. I remember my favorite team, the Lakers, when they won the championship a long time ago, uh, and Shaq and Kobe, uh, they didn't even like each other. And they were celebrating together because they won. And I remember they had this player, Mark Madsen, who didn't play a single moment. And he had his track suit on. And they won a championship. And Kobe and Shaq were jumping and they were going, hey! And Mark Madsen knew he didn't play a single minute. So he was kind of in the back going, hey! Because you celebrate different based on your participation. So it's not that he didn't get a ring, it's not that we're all not going to heaven, we are. One day we're all gonna be in heaven celebrating, but I wonder if, if we're not careful if some of us are gonna be in heaven jumping around in a tracksuit, <laughs> knowing we never participated, right? So here's the word, don't be Mark Madsen jumping around in a tracksuit in heaven. Participate, get involved, give, serve, honor God. Does that make sense? Somebody's taking off their tracksuit right now in the spirit. Can you feel it coming off? Come on, you feel your tracksuit coming off in the spirit? Do you feel it? Do you feel it? I'm sorry. A, Pastor Julian, dang, just 9 a.m. conviction. Okay. Like, can we get to the encouragement? Hey, I'm preaching on Joshua, so don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Come on. Breakthroughs coming. We love to hear those words, but we talk about giving. It's like, hold on, man, just stiffen up. Uh, hold on. Hold on. I'm excited to preach this morning. It's been a while since I've been up on a Sunday. I have preached a few times on Wednesday nights, but it's been a while since I've been up on a Sunday. So I'm grateful for my pastors for allowing me to to speak today. We're going to be talking about Joshua chapter one. Uh, If you haven't noticed, I'm growing out my facial hair because I've spent a lot of time in the Old Testament, and I'm going Old Testament on y'all. And yeah, you know, and my barber yesterday trimmed my mustache a little thin for this message, but that's fine. You know, you know, I, I asked him not to do that, but he did it anyway. So I'm, I'm still going to try to give you Old Testament scripture with a little bit of a hybrid of a New Testament, and Old Testament mustache. Are you OK with that? Are you OK with that? Let's give you a little hybrid here. We're going to jump straight into Joshua chapter one. It says after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord. The Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aide, he was his assistant, said, Moses, my servant is dead. Now, this is profound because they had been mourning the death of Moses for 30 days. Moses was being mourned for 30 days. There was an Israelite law that said you could only grieve for 30 days you would've thought God would've extended this grieving process for Moses. I mean, it was Moses. God spoke to Moses at the burning bush, Moses uh, parted the Red Sea with his staff, and God did not extend his grieving process. And the reason why God told Joshua that Moses, his servant, was dead is because Joshua, like you and I, have a tendency to extend a grieving process that God's trying to bring to a close. So many times in my life, I grieve what I've lost longer than God wants me to. And sometimes we grieve a lost job, a lost friendship, a lost marriage. We just grieve loss so long. I wonder if God is saying to some of, some of us today, that thing is dead. It is time to get up and move forward. Moses, my servant, is dead. It's interesting how this Joshua, you could argue, is one of the greatest moves of God in the, the Old Testament, and you could argue that if a promise, we love preaching about promises, but I'm telling you right now, if a promise is to live in the next season, it's based off what you allow to die in this one. Oh, man, life is always predicated with death. It's so interesting when, when, when kids are born, we, we don't like death. Adults don't like death. Have you ever seen a little kid at a funeral? All the adults are crying. The kid is running around playing. Kids aren't as intimidated with death as we are. But when a a baby's born, the adults are celebrating and the kid is crying. I wonder who has it right. I wonder who has it right. Jesus defeated death. Believers have to stop being so afraid of death. Physical death, death of dreams. Because guess what? I can tell you right now, I haven't lived my life in fear in five years. And you know what happened? I was afraid to die. I was afraid for things to die. And when I conquered my fear of death, I conquered every fear that was beneath that one. Do you understand if you can defeat Goliath, you won't be afraid of a lion? You understand that if you can conquer this fear of death, see, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. The enemy comes to bring death. He comes to bring death. Why? To spark fear. So if you are not afraid of death, the enemy will leave you alone. That's good. Do do whatever you want. Do whatever you want. You want my money? You can have it. Sometimes when I'm walking through, like, a, a, a tough area, I think I process, what would I do if someone tried to rob me? You know what I say to myself? Nobody robs me, I'll give it to him. I still lost the stuff. But it's just an authority in that, nobody robs me. You're not gonna rob me, you can have everything, you wanna go to the ATM, I'll empty out my account. Hey, I wanna let you know, nobody robs me, I'll give it to you. Jesus said, nobody takes my life, I'll lay it down. One of the greatest things of authority you can do to conquer death is lay down everything the enemy tries to take from you. This has nothing to do with my message. I'm sorry, I gotta keep reading. It's been about five weeks since I've been up here. Y'all in for it today. Mustache, beard, and all. You know what I'm saying? I got the salt and pepper. My wife is white, so I call it my interracial beard to honor her. Got the interracial beard preaching on y'all. <laughs> Philip and Holly, if you're watching, I'm sorry. Interracial beard. I should not have said that. <sighs> Moses, my servant, is dead. God, how do I get out of that? Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give them to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot. I will give you every place where you set your foot. No wonder the enemy tries to make you think that you're stuck and keep you from moving because God says, I'll give you every place you walk. I'll give you every place you set your foot as I promised Moses. You see the legacy? When we talk about legacy often, we talk about legacy, he keeps repeating this. I will do for you what I did for Moses. Don't forget, Joshua, you are a part of a legacy. Don't forget, why do you think one of the Ten Commandments is to honor your mother and father? Because people were tempted not to do that, to break legacy and say, God has called me. No, yes, I called you, but I also called your mom. I also called your dad. I also called your grandparents. You are a part of a legacy. As I was with you, I was with Moses. Do you understand? what I'm saying. God is speaking legacy to Joshua. He says, I'll give you every place as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river the Euphrates. If you look at the Garden of Eden, it was by the Euphrates. God was giving them something back that the enemy had took. Read, read Genesis 1. It was the Garden of Eden was right, the Euphrates ran right through the Garden of Eden. God saying, I'm going to give you some stuff back. Adam and Eve was tripping. They ate the fruit, and I'm going to give some stuff back. But what I gave to Adam and Eve, you're going to have to fight for. What I gave to Adam and Eve, you're going to have to fight for. Adam and Eve did not know war. This was going to take a battle. This was going to take a battle. And then he says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life it doesn't say they won't try it says no one will be able to stand they'll try but they won't be able to no weapon formed against you will prosper it didn't say no weapon will be formed it says when the weapons form they will not (laughs) prosper says i will never leave you or forsake you when we say god will never leave you or forsake you sometimes we make the mistake of thinking that God is saying, I won't leave you or forsake you. He literally cannot do it. He can't. He cannot leave you or forsake you because he said he never would. Right? God is a God of his word. So the biggest reason why God does things is because he said he would do them. The Bible says even when you are unfaithful, he is faithful because he cannot deny who he is. He says to himself sometimes, these people are so trifling and janky, but I got to stay with them. (laughs) God will never leave, but make no mistake about it, you can grieve the Lord. You can grieve the Lord. Your father is following you into things that break his heart. So a good son, a good daughter would never want to break the heart of their father. And I don't want us to use this mentality that God will never leave us or forsake us as an excuse to break God's heart by doing things our own way. He says, I promise I'll never leave you or forsake you. And then verse 7, he says, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid, do not be discouraged for the Lord your God will be with you everywhere you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your provisions ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your Lord, the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, Remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you after he said, The Lord your God will give you rest by giving you this land. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the promised land. I want you to catch this. Your wives, your children, and your livestock may stay in the promised land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan. But all your fighting men, this is a word for the men of this house. 66% of the church right now is women, globally. But God is saying, hey, I'm gonna let the children and the women, for for women in this house, this is a promise to you. He's saying, I'm going to not make you, let you fight as hard as you've had to fight in the past. But to the men, to the men, to the men, ready for battle, must cross over ahead of your fellow Israelites. I I believe women should be in the church. I believe women should be allowed to lead. I believe women should be allowed to teach God's word. The Bible supports that. I do not believe a woman should be on the front lines of a battle while a man stands in the background and does nothing. (laughs) A single mom is a woman on the front lines. We got to take our women off the front lines. I'm not not trying to be, I'm telling you right now, I'm not saying, hear my heart, but a woman should not be on the front lines of a spiritual battle while a man is in the background playing video games. All right, here we go. Oh, man, getting a little deep here. says, all your fighting men, you are to help them. Get on the front lines and help them. Until the Lord gives them rest as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land your Lord, your God is giving them. After that, you can go back and occupy your own land. The scripture says that if you are a man, you can't live in your promise until you are helping everyone else live in theirs. So as a man, if you feel like you haven't achieved the promises of God on your life, I want you to ask yourself this question. Whose promise have I helped? What person have I helped get their promise? Because God says you're not allowed to live in your promise until you help someone get theirs. I am living in the promise of God on my life because I helped Philip and Holly get theirs. The path to my promise is helping somebody else's promise. This is a powerful word to men where God is saying they're laying down. Get up. God has called you to the front lines of a battle, and you will help everyone in this room get the promise that God has on their life. And we got to get on the front lines. I wish some men were in here clapping right now and praising God. We cannot be a strong church with weak men. I want to encourage you right now. The Spirit of God is speaking to you. I have a promise. I have a destiny, but get on the front lines. Where are my men at? Come on, men. Come on, let me just hear from you. I know this is a tough one. You'll be all right. You will be all right. Be all right. And then they answered Joshua, whatever you've commanded us, we will do. And wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, they didn't obey Moses at all. This part is so funny to me. Just as we fully obeyed Moses. They didn't obey Moses at all. The whole previous books were them not obeying Moses. And they said, just as we obey Moses, so we will obey you. That's a sign. (laughs) Joshua's like, oh, man. (laughs) Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey it, whatever you command them, they will be put to death. And then only be strong, courageous. Then try to tell them what God Try to give Joshua a word, and they just was so disobedient, is I don't know what. You know, this is an interesting passage of scripture because if you're not careful, you get too excited. Sounds really good. Go into the land, you'll take the land. This is a really bizarre, complicated passage of scripture. Just to give you our context, this would be like God saying to us right now Hey, I want to let you know, uh, I'm sending you to the Middle East, um, and there's oil there and I'm giving you all the money that, from the oil that's in the ground, but you're gonna have to conquer Saudi Arabia, Iran, Iraq, all that stuff, Kuwait. So go, be strong and courageous. How many people be on a plane? Right? Okay. So we love to read the Bible acting like we would have a different response. I always read the Bible like I'm not, don't read the Bible and make yourself Jesus in the story. Don't. When you read the story of the woman caught in adultery, read the Bible like you're the adulterer, not that you're Jesus writing your finger. We love to read the Bible like we're Jesus. Yes, I've stooped down and wrote my finger in the dirt for many. No, no, no. You've been janky, you've been trifling, and Jesus stooped down and wrote his finger in the dirt for you. You gotta be careful reading Joshua because you gotta understand that what was actually happening. Before the book of Joshua, there are five books of the Bible that Jewish believers call the Pentateuch that they read, and they stop there. They don't move on to all of that. And I've been really enamored with the Old Testament because I realized a New Testament believer, meaning Peter and these guys, they only had the Old Testament. The the Testament that that we read, starting from Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John and and beyond, that, that part of the Bible, they weren't reading. They were living it. Ooh, I feel like I'm preaching already. <laughs> so they were reading the Old Testament and living the new one. Like, you got to be careful with the New Testament, that you don't read it and refuse to, to live it. So I've been really trying to take in the Old Testament because I kind of feel like that that's what Peter was doing. That's what Paul was doing. They were taking in the Old Testament and living the new one by the Spirit of God. And so if you take in these books of the Bible, there's some great principles. Genesis begins with God commanding, be fruitful and multiply. Be careful that you don't skip to Joshua trying to enter your promise and you don't understand the concept of being fruitful and multiplying. You know what be fruitful and multiply means? Be fruitful. We see in John 15 that if we connect to Jesus, we stay connected to the divine, we will bear much fruit. So being fruitful is staying connected. And then multiplying is your ability to make something small, big, with obedience and faith. I've I, really been convicted about my preaching, y'all, because I keep saying dream big, hope big, just everything's big, doing it big, made it to the big time. My favorite rapper's Biggie, do it big, 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 big. And that is nowhere in God's word that he's going to give you something big. He gives you a seed. And diligence and obedience and discipline makes a seed a tree. God's not going to give you something big. He's going to give you something small and say, can you multiply it? Can you multiply it? If you don't understand that concept, you will go into your promised land expecting God to give you something big. And you want want a a tree and God gives you a seed and you'll be mad at God. Because we don't operate that way, do we? You imagine on Valentine's Day, ladies, I've said this before, but I think it's funny, so I'm going to say it again. Can you imagine on Valentine's Day, your boyfriend or your husband gives you a seed and some dirt and some water and access to sunlight and says, baby, I done gave you a rose? How mad would you be? Because we're mad because he didn't give us a rose. He gave us the tools to create one. And if we're not careful, we treat God that way. God's given us all the tools to create what we want to see in our life, but where's the rose? God doesn't give big things most of the time. He gives us small things and calls us to multiply. You don't understand this principle in Genesis. You won't be ready to walk in your promised land. And then even in Genesis, you know, we see the story of Joseph where God takes Joseph from the pit to the palace. And if we're not careful, we start preaching that God's going to take you from the pit to the palace. And that's not the point of the scripture. The point of the scripture is God was with Joseph in both the pit and the palace. So because of that, the palace wasn't an upgrade to Joseph. If I had Jesus, there is no upgrade. Don't let the world tell you that he can up, they can upgrade you. No, 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 I have Jesus Christ on the inside of me. God's spirit is on me. Nothing this world has to offer is an upgrade. If God is with me, I got everything I need. I got everything I need. And then the next, we jump from Exodus, which is a, a word that means exit. Don't be ready for your promised land. See, going into something is also an exit out of something. Don't be so mindful of where you're going that you don't be mindful of where God's asking you to leave. There's got to be an exit before there's an entrance. If you go into a room, you are exiting one room and entering another. Be mindful of your exits because your exits will create your entrances. Do you understand what I'm saying? These are the principles that come before Joshua. And then we get... Leviticus and Numbers and Deuteronomy where God gets really strict about worship this is why people say I don't need to come to church I get it I don't need to come to church no you need to come to church you need to go to growth track because here's the thing Leviticus and worship and Numbers I mean Leviticus Numbers and Deuteronomy God is teaching his people how to worship because they're getting ready to go to war and God knows this he needs to make you a worshiper before he makes you a warrior And some of us are in a battle, some of us are in a fight because we're trying to be a warrior before we're a worshiper. You come to church so this church can teach you how to be a worshiper, because guess what? You're gonna be in the battle whether you like it or not, and God knows I need to make them worshipers before I make them warriors. This is why we lift our hands. This is why we give shouts of praises because we know the war is coming, so we're gonna worship now. Come on, is there any worshipers at the 9 a.m. this morning? And next thing you know, we, we find ourselves in the book of Joshua, where God has ta- taught his people these powerful principles. And he's telling them that they're going to need to be prepared for battle. And if you notice that there were 12 spies he, he sent out, and those 12 spies were much bigger and stronger, and many of them got scared. I remember in the fifth grade, there was a school bully that everybody was scared of. And he was beating up everybody. And I was the only one that said I could take this guy. (laughs) The only one. The rest of them were like the, 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 the ten tribes of Israel. I was like Caleb and Joshua, no, we can take this guy. It was the sixth grade. And I'm like, we can take this guy. And I remember all my friends and even my father, I told my dad, dad, this guy has got to go. And my dad said, do you know that, ho- that man's whole family's in a gang? He's twice your size. This dude drove to school. He was in sixth grade. <laughs> he drove to school. He had his little, uh, you know, cutlass. He had sixth grade and a cutlass. Come to school playing computer love. Don't, don't, do Get out with his backpack and his lunch bar. I'm like, dang, computer love. He get out like... He walked like that all the time, no matter what. Just walk like that, just like. How oh, we you take this guy. So I believed it. And because I believed it, I challenged him. I told him, you will never, ever pick on anyone else again. And do you know what happened? <laughs> this brother beat the crap out of me. That's what happened. <laughs> I mean, he beat me down. Beat me down. Beat me down. He hit me so hard. You ever had someone hit you so hard, you have to think about whether it where the hurts first? <laughs> he was like... Oh, yeah. (laughs) Tell you, man, he beat the black off of me. I was light-skinned for two weeks, two weeks. True story, light-skinned for two weeks. It's terrible, terrible experience. That wasn't really a battle that God is asking me to fight. So in this context, that won't happen to you no one's going to beat the black off of you, I prophesy to them. <laughs> we find ourselves in the book of Joshua where God is asking people to defeat people that are bigger than them and stronger than them um, because it's not about your personal strength, it's about the strength of your God. Yeah, so and this is very important for you to understand because this, this opening chapter of Joshua chapter one is so profound, you guys, it's so profound because he actually gives us some tools that I believe as we, as we close and we're having this conversation about Joshua that, that you're gonna, that's gonna really help you. And I wanna read just Joshua chapter one, verse one through, through three really quick and give you a thought that I believe the Lord showed me. It says, after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses aid, Moses, my servant is dead. Now you, now then you and all these people get ready. Get ready. Get ready. TD Jakes used to say, Get ready, get ready, get ready. That is so prophetic. Get ready. God said to get ready. Get ready. We're praying for God to give us something, and God is screaming from the mountaintops Get ready. I want to give it to you, but get ready. You got to get ready for what God wants to give. Get ready. You have a destiny on the line, get ready. I want want to give you this thought and I believe it's important. Destiny is where preparation and opportunity meet. Get ready. Man, you know, I I, I want to, I'm trying to be to the best of my ability to walk in humility. But I think sometimes if I do that too much, I don't tell you what really went into this. I don't tell you, people say, oh, man, you're so gifted. Man, you can, man, you're awesome. Man, I wish God would do that. But I, I can't really point him to the four-hour Bible studies in the park by myself, six days straight. Yeah. You can ask my, my wife. When we were dating, I, we hung out from 7.30 to like 9.30. Like, every night, because from 4.30 to 8.30, I was in the park studying the Bible. And I would have my phone on flashlight reading the Word of God. I was studying the Word of God 16 hours a week. Easy, if not more. And, and God used that preparation and, and the opportunity. Do you get what I'm saying? And so when people don't understand... The the, the pain and the things that we go through to get what we have, God just brings all of that together. God is able to use all things for good for those who are called according to his purpose. But if we keep running from all things, God can't use them. It's like, I get it, man. The hardest part, I get it. Praise God. Praise God for the gift of my life. Praise God. But what I'm saying is there's some stuff that goes into this. Right, I haven't preached in four weeks or so, four or five weeks. And I, 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 the reason why is because there's so much work that goes into it. So I don't want to just be up here repeating something I heard on the Internet. I want to have been with God. I didn't go to Bible college. I didn't do that stuff. But the Bible says in Acts chapter 4, though Peter and John were uneducated, they had been with the Lord. So I need to be with God about what I'm preaching up here. Do you understand what I'm saying? There's preparation to this. And destiny is where preparation and opportunity meet. And so many of us are praying for an opportunity, but we are unprepared. God doesn't want to set you up for failure. God doesn't want to give you something before it's time. A good dad may give their son or or daughter a driver's license at 16, a bad one at 13. Because they're not ready. There's a preparation. The second thing we see in the book of Joshua that I want to leave you with is Joshua 1. Verses three and four say this, I promise you what I promised Moses, wherever you set your foot, you will be on the land I have given you from the Negev wilderness in the south to the Lebanon mountains in the north. And I wanna tell you about your promise. Your promise is both the wilderness and the mountaintop. I want you to see that he said, I'm gonna give you the wilderness and the mountaintop don't be confused because you're in your wilderness season that you're not in your promise God said I'm giving you a promise and it includes the wilderness and the mountaintop and they had to walk to the wilderness to get to the mountaintop don't think God's not with you you're in your promise right now doesn't matter if you don't have enough doesn't matter if you couldn't pay your rent somebody needs to shout I'm in my promise yes things aren't going well things look dark but I'm not headed to the promise I'm in the promise right now, right here today. God has given me both the wilderness and the mountaintop. God has given me both the wilderness and the mountaintop. And then in Joshua 1 verse 7, God says to Joshua, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey. Be careful to obey all of the law or all of the word of God, my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it from the right or to the left. I'm so grateful you're here and listening to to, to the preachers we put up here. But be careful to obey. There's a plan and there's a destiny. Because look, what does God say? That you may be successful wherever you go. Success is not in a location. Success is on a person. When I showed up, oh, see see we think success is a location we think we found a good job how do you know your job didn't just find a good employee and now that same place is prosperous because somebody with god on them showed up do you understand what i'm saying you'll be successful wherever you go somebody say i'm going places success is not a destination church it's on a person he says obey the word and you'll be successful wherever you go Keep this book of the law always on your lips. Keep it in your mouth. Meditate on, on it day and night. Stop meditating on your problems and your challenges. Meditate on the Word of God so that you can be careful to do everything written in it. If you're not thinking about it, you won't do it. Do you understand what I'm saying? Meditation comes before obedience. If you are not thinking about it, somebody in this room is addicted to pornography and you're trying to quit, but you're not thinking about quitting. You need to wake up every single day and say, this is the last day I do this because God's word says, I am a temple of the Holy Spirit. I'm meditating on what God is going to do because if I can meditate on it, I can do it. And keep it on your mouth. And I want you to write this down. So this is going to be a mantra for many people. If I obey God and I speak his word, I am successful. I refuse to let the world give me a different definition of success. I'm gonna say that again. We're gonna repeat it together, we're going old school. Repeat after, just to say it all together. If I obey God and speak his word, I am successful. I refuse to let the world give me a different definition of success. It's not more money, it's not a bigger house, it's not the new Lexus, it's not being married. I obey God and I speak his word, I am successful. Nobody's gonna give me a different definition of success. And then in Joshua 1, chapter six, oops, says be strong and courageous, for you are the one. Be strong and courageous. For you are the one. You can come get this. Be strong and courageous for you are the one. Joshua 1 verse 9 says, be strong and courageous for you are the one. How many times have we seen that on a meme or a bumper sticker? Be strong and courageous for you are the one. And I used to think the most important part of that scripture was be strong and courageous. But to me right now it is not. The most important part of that verse is you are the one. YOU ARE THE ONE. YOU ARE THE ONE. Your father might have left you but you are the one. Your husband might have left you, but you are the one. Your wife might have cheated on you, or your girlfriend rejected you, but you are the one. You might not have been in the starting lineup or your basketball team, but you are the one – somebody needs to hear that this morning – you are the one! You might not have a lot of money in your bank account, but you are the one! You might not have gone to Bible college, but you are the one. You might feel hopeless, and dejected and rejected but you are the one somebody needs to shout i am the one
1: because you are the
0: one god says be strong and courageous because you are the one to start the business you might have had two businesses fail already but i'm telling you right now you are the one you might have moved out here from another state or another country, and it's looking dark, and it's looking dim, but the Spirit of the Lord is shouting to you right now, you are the one, somebody shout, I am the one, I wish some people who knew they were the one would stand to their feet and begin to give God praise, somebody shout, I am the one, come on, begin to give God praise right now, we thank you, Lord, we thank you, Lord, hallelujah.